Thank you so much. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> One of the incredible blessings of pastoring here over 37 years now is just to see time after time how God and His plan, His sovereignty, uh, brings people to be part of our family, enrich our family and our ministry, and then uh, see them go on to be used in, in incredible ways, enriching uh, people, not only around the country, but around the world. And uh, I'm so grateful for Jeff and Julie, uh, who are with us this week in our conference. Uh, many of you know them so well as they served with us here for 10 years. Uh, Jeff in numbers of roles, uh, discipleship and uh, overseeing groups, and then leading our global ministries so very, very well. And Julie was so wonderfully used in women's ministry here. So I'm so grateful for their friendship. They have had a great impact in our uh, congregation and beyond now through others in this area, but also now in uh, ministering to partners uh, around the world. So I'm so glad that Jeff and Julie can be with us. I know that you'll make them feel right at home. And uh, Jeff, God bless you as you come to share God's word this morning. Give a warm welcome to Jeff and to Julie. God bless you. Thanks, thank you, thank you. Well, I'll tell you, if uh, you thought you enjoyed that song, if you weren't sitting in the front row, then you missed half of it. Wow, that was powerful. I almost got pushed back in my seat. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Pastor Sam, and good morning, West Park. It's good to be with you all. You know, Julie and I are very grateful and thankful for this opportunity to be at your global conference. You know, because of your faithful support, your partnership, as God opens doors for us to go work with national partners around the globe, we are able to say, yes, Lord, send us to those places. And as he sends us, we are always mindful that you also are sending us. You are part of that. So thank you. Thank you so much, West Park, for your role in sending us to the nations. You know, this morning we're going to tell a little story. I'm going to introduce it here. I want to show you um, a picture of uh, one, of the pe- one of the places we were this past year was in the Philippines. Now, if you know our story, if you remember it, Julie and I first were with ABWE and went to the Philippines when our kids were just about this high, and now they're, they're long gone. But when we went to the Philippines the first time, we were there working with uh, helping Asians reach Asia. And in all those years since the time that we returned and then came to West Park, despite all of our travel, we had never been back to the Philippines until this past fall. And interestingly enough, we didn't go there to be with Filipinos. We actually went there to be with this couple, uh, Mark and Shoni. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them as we walk through our time together in God's word this morning. But I want you to recognize this that we're going to really going to notice. God is always strategically sending his people. You know, our, our title this morning is called The Mission Far and Near. The word mission, actually, you know, it comes from the Latin word missio, which really actually means sending. 
Mission or sending, we find out, is it's actually the grand narrative of all of Scripture. The entire Bible is focused on or it's all about God's great mission. It's the central theme describing God's activity throughout history to restore and redeem and heal creation. And Scripture is full of sending language. And it speaks to this sending nature or this attribute of God himself. From God's command to Adam to go fill the earth, all the way to the sending of his angel in Revelation 22, there are literally hundreds of examples of God as a sending God. Just think a little bit about from the Old Testament, God sent Noah to build an ark. He sent Abraham from Ur to the land of Canaan. He sent Jacob to Haran. He sent Joseph into Egypt. He sent Moses from the desert into Pharaoh's court. He sent their Israelites out from Egypt to the promised land. He sent Jonah to Nineveh. He sent Daniel to Babylon. And then we see that Jesus, in his most amazing sending, sends his son, Jesus Christ, to come in the form of a man and dwell among us. And then look in the New Testament. He sends Joseph and Mary to Egypt, and he sends Joseph and Mary back to Israel. He sends John the Baptist to the Jordan River. In the book of Acts, he sends Philip to the Ethiopian. He sends Ananias to Paul. He sends Peter to Cornelius. He sends Paul to the Gentiles. And then he sends out missionary teams that launch all over the known world at the time. God is a missionary God. And he sends his son on his mission and sends a missionary church to the nations. And before our time this morning, what I'd like for us to do is to focus on our mission. What, what, what is our mission today? What did Jesus command or commission? What is he sending you and me to do today? I love this quote by David Livingston, the famous missionary to Africa. He said this, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor... How can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? You know, most of us probably, when we think about God's commission, most of us are probably thinking immediately of Matthew chapter 28. But what we're going to find out this morning is Matthew 28 is only one out of five commissions that Jesus gave to his disciples and ultimately to you and me today as well. So we're going to discover that God gave or Jesus gave five mission statements to his disciples on five different occasions in five different addresses at five different locations with five different emphasis. And we're going to look at what can we learn from uh, how he did that. And also we're going to look at them chronologically and see what, what Jesus was building on for the disciples and then ultimately for you and me today when we think about being called on his mission. Jesus, will, we'll see, is intentionally imparting critical information to his disciples incrementally. And he understands what 
is going to happen is a lifelong task. It's not something we can cover in one team meeting. There's a lot of information to cover over time to prepare the disciples. We need to pay close attention to these instructions because these instructions, they pertain to me. They pertain to you as well. Let's look at mission statement number one. Mission statement number one comes uh, from the book of John, and we're going to call it, it's the model. And the model is sent to send. Okay, let me read from you in John chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. God's word says, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he had showed them his hands and his side And the disciples were glad, and they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You know, this meeting, we believe, really occurred on the evening of the resurrection day. It happened in Jerusalem as Jesus comes and meets with 10 of his disciples. Remember, Judas is out of the picture And for some reason, we're not told, but Thomas apparently is not in this meeting. Jesus' first words to the disciple, peace be with you. You can imagine that evening, the heart, the state of mind of the disciples from the events that had happened that week and that weekend, and even that morning, they were traumatized, they were brokenhearted, They were directionless, they were fearful, they were exhausted, and Jesus' words in this meeting were comforting and brief, peace and purpose. Jesus simply is informing them at this meeting that they're going to be sent to do something new, something that has been different than what has ever been done before, because Jesus was redesigning the model. For centuries, the model was, if you want to meet God, come to Jerusalem, come to the temple. And now Jesus is changing the model. He's flipping it that the nations no longer need to come. But Jesus' model is, I'm sending you out. You're going to be sent to the nation. And this is going to be completely different than what the disciples had known. You know, 29 times in the Gospel of John alone, Jesus says that he was here because the Father sent him. And Jesus uses two interestingly different Greek words to communicate, to describe what the sending means in our passage here. The first one is the Greek word apostello, which carries the idea of a person being officially sent on a mission with authority behind it. And and the other one is just pempo, which has to do more with the process of being sent. So really, we could translate this verse. We could translate it and say, as the Father has officially sent me, Jesus, out on an authorized mission, apostello, even so, I am sending pempo. I am pempoing you out. And so when you put these two words together, the power of the authorized sending, the first one, is imposed on the second. So Jesus is immediately sending them forth with the same authority that he received from God the Father himself. 
kind of carrying our story about our trip in the Philippines since, since Julie and I first were connected with his partner by doing an online marriage conference with him, Mark and Shoney, uh, with Mark and Shoney in uh, 2020 during COVID. Couldn't go there, so we did it online. That was interesting. It was amazing, though, for Julie and I then to be sent back to the Philippines and then to come alongside Mark and Shoney for encouragement and support. Mark and Shoney are really reaching out to the Indians who are coming to the Philippines. Their work isn't among Philippines primarily. It's primarily against uh, four Indian people, mostly Punjabi people and Sindhi people who have come to the Philippines for business opportunities, hoping for a better way to do business. And Mark and Shoney focus on evangelism, outreach, and church planning among really these two uh, unreached people groups who are found in, in, in the thousands coming to the Philippines and particularly Manila. Mark and Shoney are an interesting couple. They met in South Korea where they were both attending seminary. And uh, Mark came from India. He's an Indian, but Shoni is Pakistani. She came from Pakistani. And those two countries, they, they ain't friendly. <laughs> they don't get along too well. And while studying there in South Korea, they fell in love and they got married. But they know we're unable to return to either one of our countries. So they began praying about where has God put us in a place where we can minister to our people and God opened a door for them to come to Manila, where, where originally uh, Mark was invited to be, become the pastor of a Phil Indian, a Filipino Indian church that was in uh, Makati in Manila. I mean, again, it's God is always strategically sending his people. I want you to think about, are you aware this morning that God is sending you? You don't have to wait to be his sending. You are already sent. Let's look at mission statement number two. This one we'll call the magnitude. Uh, it's into all the world, found in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And then it says, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So this is the magnitude. This is probably about eight days later after their first meeting, and Jesus appears again with new information about the mission. They're still in Jerusalem, and this time Thomas is there. So Jesus probably had a couple objectives for this meeting. One was to reassure Thomas, you know, we call him Doubting Thomas, to reassure Thomas about the the who was absent from the first meeting. And then number two, he's going to express really the goal of the mission. And he uses two specific phrases. Did you hear them in this, this, this sentence? To communicate the breadth of the mission. The first one is he says, I want you to go into all the worlds. You know, as a Bible student, I hope you always recognize the word all. What does it mean, class? All. Oh, that's great. You got them well trained, Sam. Good job. It means, it means all. And Jesus is using this to explain the extent or the inclusiveness of this command. He's telling that this, this message is to go into all the whole world. The entire world should be covered. No geographical area is off limits or out of bounds to this mission. It all needs to be covered. 
And so he's really talking about the mission encompassing every place across oceans and rivers, across deserts and wildernesses and continents and borders. But then he doesn't stop with that. He also says, not only to all the world, but also to the whole creation. Are you getting it? (laughs) This is pretty significant. He's telling us this could be translated as every or each one. Not only is the mission to cover the whole world, but is also to include going to all or every people. We could translate it every, everyone, all. The task is global, but it's also individual. All families, all clans, all tongues, nations, languages are all to be presented with this good news. But how are we going to do it? He tells us in here. He uses the mission, zeroes in. Here's your action. I want you to proclaim the gospel. That's, the, that's your job. The mission is emphasizing, it's proclaiming, it's vocalizing, it's sharing the good news. It's a command for all of us to share. We use the word evangelize. And we should share and evangelize both the unsaved and the unreached. Jesus uses an imperative, a command verb here, and is telling us that your presence alone is not enough. Did you hear me? Your presence alone is not enough. There must be vocalization, communication of this good news to those, these people in the whole world. I I like this definition of evangelism, and I think it might be better to call it a definition of proclamation. And it says it's the process of communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ in culturally sensitive ways so that all peoples everywhere might have the opportunity to repent of their sins and place their faith in, in the work of Jesus. It is a process of communi- communication. A missionary statesman to China described it this way, which I think is so important for us to have this mindset. He said this, he said, it's not our responsibility to bring the world to Christ. It is our responsibility to take Christ to the world. This personal interaction in this time, this personal action with Thomas has a huge impact because perhaps no, none other of the disciples took this to heart as much as Thomas did. Because it is believed in church history that Thomas immediately headed eastward and crossed cultures and diverse peoples and continents until Thomas ended up in the south side of India where he became uh, martyred for proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Thomas took this sing- single sentence from the Lord to heart, and he went to the ends of the earth, proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. Back to our story, you know, like thousands of Sikh people who were coming from India to the Philippines and to Manila, also came the, a man named Major. And this man named Major, he had left his home And he had left his family back in India, and he came to the Philippines hoping for a better way to make life, a better way to connect his business and and make a better life for his entire family. Major had a deep 
resonate voice. And he used it for worship, but he used it because he was a Sikh. Okay, a lot of Punjabi people are Indian, they're Punjabi, they're from Punjab, they're Punjabi, but most of them, their religion is Sikhism. And I won't go into all about Sikhism, it's very different than Hinduism, but it's still extremely wrong, extremely false. But in a Sikh temple, if you were to go there, one of the main things as the worshipers come in, there's the Sikh, they call it their book. It's a huge book that is fanned by a leader, usually with a long white beard, a sage from the Sikhism religion is fanning that. I don't know why you fan the Bible, but they do. And then the other critical part is there's always a worship team, really, so to speak. They use different instruments for sure, but they are always led in worship, like 24-7. There's a worship team up there, and that was what Major did. He dedicated his life and his voice to singing in Sikhism worship and leading worship in those temples. By 2018, um, God had connected Matt, uh, Mark and Shoni to Major, and Major dramatically came to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. And he left the Sikh temples. He left the worship there, even though he was well-known and highly respected. And then he began to use his voice like Doug Bromley. He's a Doug Bromley guy. <laughs> He, he used it to lead others in songs of now worship and song to Jesus Christ. And uh, traveling around with Pastor Mark to share the gospel with people who once were completely in darkness or worshiping Hindu gods or worshiping uh, Sikhism. And together, they were leading people to faith in Christ and discipling them at all these outreaches that they've, they've uh, uh, done. And again... Amazing how God is just strategically sending his people. I wonder, you know, for us, think about that. Where are you proclaiming the gospel? Or another question might be, to who or to whom? Julie, help me with the grammar there. To who or whom are you sharing the gospel with? Let's look at mission number, statement number three. And this, here we go. This is the method that Jesus shares. And this is the method is making disciples, Matthew chapter 28. Let me read that. You know, it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, it says that they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority... In heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, here's what we call the Great Commission. Man, I love this passage of Scripture. It is the detailed strategy plan for the mission that God, Jesus, wants to accomplish his colossal mission. And we figure out this is probably somewhere around one or two, two weeks later after the last meeting, Jesus instructs his disciples to meet him back in Galilee. 
So it was a three-day journey from Jerusalem to Galilee, and Galilee is kind of like going back home for all these guys. The disciples, they all came from around Galilee. So it's kind of like getting out of the big city and going home, and it was getting away from all the uproar and turmoil that's happening in Jerusalem. It was a place where he could really spend some time with them. Here he sets instructions that would include the most detail of the mission. It would include the authority, the task itself, the scope, the strategy, and a promise that goes with it. And here Jesus reminds him, first of all, number one, of the supreme authority, again, in that apostello sending, the right for them to go on mission anywhere, in any culture, and witness in any community to, to persuade any person to believe on Jesus Christ. And then Jesus gives the strategy. The strategy is the main action verb in the sentence. A little spoiler alert, it's not go. It's make disciples. Now, I, I know, West Park, you hear this all the time. Making disciples who love God, love people. Darn it, I forgot the third one. Impact the world, yes. <laughs> and impact the world. I, I, expected you, I expected a raucous crowd for them to just go, and they, you know, they didn't follow me. So, <laughs> But that has been, that's been the strategy that you have been taught. Though then Jesus, he gives the strategy to make disciples, but then he gives a method. Well, here's how you do it. And the first one is you go. Well, I call it gospel going. It's going with the intention to penetrate a community or a people for Christ. It's going with the idea of my job, my responsibility, my mission is to take Jesus wherever I go. If it's across the world, great. If it's across the street, great. I'm always thinking I'm going on mission and I'm supposed to go, not just bring people in. I am on the mission to go. Evangelism is what we talk about, and the word that we kind of like to use there is penetration to describe that. But then the going and is supposed to lead to something. He calls it baptizing. And baptizing is, right, baptizing isn't the magic thing that gets you saved. We all know that. Baptism is the end result of um, an experience, a culmination of the repent and believe experience of salvation. So what we're what we're doing in the mission is going and sharing the Christ and leading people to faith in Jesus Christ so that they are baptized. And they are identifying with God and with the people of God through that, what we use, this, this beautiful picture of baptism when someone is uh, picturing the death and the resurrection through baptism into this new life in Jesus Christ. That is part of the mission. The, it doesn't stop there. We don't just... Dunk them and leave them, right? They're little spiritual babies. You don't leave a baby alone and say, yay, we got a baby. No, the third part is discipling them. It is to teach them all things. It's this transformation of going from darkness to light, from lies to truth. And this process really is a lifelong experience. It takes 
long time for us to transform our worldview, our lifestyle, and our ethical contact to come into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is telling his disciples that making other disciples, it's a three-step process. The first, it's by going to those who have no exposure of the gospel. It's penetration. And the second one is by calling them into a personal relationship with Jesus that culminates in baptism, and that is identification. And the third is by teaching them to observe all of his commands. Focuses, the focus isn't on knowledge, it's on obedience. And that has to do with transformation and reproduction. I want to ask you, where are you in that three-step process? You know, some of you maybe, you might be here this morning and you're like, you know what? People have come to me and I'm interested in knowing Jesus Christ, but I haven't been baptized yet. Mom, I want to encourage you today is the day to receive Jesus Christ. Some of you are baptized and, and uh, you're in this process of discipleship. Don't stop. Don't get stalled. Don't get stuck. Keep growing. And part of the way we, we do that, guess what? The way, part of the way we grow is by going to the people we know, and it's by sharing the truth of Christ. It's by helping them grow. You don't have to be Pastor Sam at his level. Okay, now I can go and reach people. All you have to do is be one step ahead of the next person to help them move in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus reinforces his earlier instructions here about the magnitude. It's to all the nations. There it is again. Uh, you know, there's right now, there's 195 nations in our world today. And, uh, but this phrase really isn't talking about borders. It's talking about peoples. He uses the word ethne, which is talking about peoples, tribes, languages, and, and tongues. Today, today, there are 17,468 ethnically distinct groups of people. And do you know that more than 40% of those are, are labeled unreached? Do you know what unreached means? Essentially, it means there's no Bible, there's no believers, and there's no church. 40% of those. Our work is, we have a lot of work to do. Jesus closes his instruction to, in Galilee, with a very tender but a powerful promise that, you know what, you're not alone. My presence is going to be with you wherever you are going. Let's look at mission statement number four. Wow, this is Luke chapter 24. And the message is, guess what? It's the gospel. Let's read this together. Luke 24, 44 through 49. It says, then Jesus, he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed, there it is again, in his name to, here it is again, all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. 
Luke is going to record for us the final words of Jesus to his disciples, uh, both in the end of Luke and then in the, in the next one, in the beginning of Acts. And both of these are, are about 40 days after the resurrection, right before his ascension. And here in Luke 24, Jesus focuses on the message of the mes- mission. Here's our message. He's making it clear for us. He, he's going to tell us the basis of the message is on Scripture. In particular, it's laid as a foundation from all of the Old Testament Scripture. The core of the message is that Jesus suffered and died, but that he rose again. The requirement of the message is repentance. The provision of the message is the forgiveness of sins. The necessity of the, me- of the message is sin is man's spiritual problem. The extension of the message is, again, to all nations. And the empowerment of the task is from the Holy Spirit. I can ask you that question here. Does that message, does that message, does it compel you to go proclaim it to your friends, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to all the places that you go? This is the message that, that Pastor Mark and Major were proclaiming to these outreaches. And I want to tell you, his story happened in December of 22. Major was with Pastor Mark at an evangelistic Christmas outreach, and the room was full of mostly unsaved Sikh, uh, Sikh Punjab people. They were listening to Major lead singing when all of a sudden Major collapsed on the stage. He was having a stroke. All of the eyes were upon him. And most of the people, including his family, believed, see, you're being punished. Being punished because you left our religion and you have followed this Jesus. Pastor Mark and Shoni immediately sent word to us and asked us to pray. And his left side was completely paralyzed and his speech was gone. And doctors believed that he probably would never speak again and most likely would never walk again. Now this leads us to our final mission statement, mission statement number five. The means of the mission is the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 1-8. Probably it's later the same day of the passage you just looked at, but now they're on the Mount of Olives, Olives, and Jesus really is having his final This is it. This is the final team meeting. This is the last instructions. This is the final words. And Jesus shares three very important pieces of the mission right at the end. And this is what he says. You you are familiar with this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So piece number one he shares with them is the empowerment for the mission. It's the Holy Spirit. Guys, don't worry. It's not all on you. Guess what? It's the power comes from the Holy Spirit. The mission cannot be accomplished on our own human abilities. And Jesus sends the Spirit to superintend this mission, the work of the mission. And without his help, the mission is, it's impossible. This, what we do, is impossible without the Holy Spirit. The, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit 
is such a dominant theme in the book of Acts. We could really call the book of Acts, we could really call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Piece number two, the instrument for the mission is human witnesses. Wow, we, we, we could say, well, we'll just let, you know, God will just use his stars and, and, and make his name known. He does that, but what is his plan? His plan is for human witness. Is his God-ordained means for the proclamation of the message to other humans? It's those who have been transformed. It's those who have experienced the grace of God to be the, the messengers for God. The ambassadors were called, or witnesses in this passage. We're not supposed to be the judges. We're the witnesses. The life change and experience with Christ are the means of the mission to go to other people. The mission to people can only go forward as each of us, as each believer proclaims what we have personally experienced with Jesus Christ. It's not Sam's job and Pastor Joe and Al's job to win our area here. It's all of ours. They can't go where you go. Their job is to equip you and challenge you so that you are gospel going, you are leading people to Christ, and you are helping disciple other people. The third thing is the strategy of the mission Interestingly enough, it's three places at the same time, three places at once. You know, sometimes it might look like, well, the plan is in three stages. Okay, start here, and then move here, and then go out there, kind of getting bigger and bigger in, in scope. But really, the language of the text is actually pointing to simultaneous witness in all three of those areas at the same time. The ands don't mean then. Or next, but rather the apostles were supposed to focus their attention and efforts at all three areas at one place, at one time. That same strategy is critical for us, especially in this age of globalization. I talk with people around the world instantly on a signal or a text. It's unbelievable. I can just call them up and look at them and talk to them. The same strategy is critical for us. Jesus is telling us our witness needs to be right here where we are, but it also needs to be nearby and also needs to be over there at the same time. It is far and near at the same time. Uh, I don't know if you have this chart up there. Uh, I won't spend much time on that, but you know, uh, moving away from people like us sometimes to people who don't like us, and sometimes to people who aren't like us. I got that from you, Pastor Sam. Uh, it, takes, it takes different challenges to do that, to effectively communicate cross cultures. You know, I figured a good way for you guys to understand it would be, you know, when you're talking with people who are here, it's kind of like you sharing Jesus with other Vols fans pretty easy. But going to Samaria, that's kind of like you guys sharing Jesus with other SEC, SEC fans like Florida and Georgia. But for you guys to share the gospel with the other parts of the world, it's like you leading people to Christ who are like cricket players and, and soccer players, not football players. People who don't have our lang- our, use the same language we do who aren't like us. God calls us to all three at the same time. 
So I, I just want to ask you, how are you engaged in the mission far and near or near and far? Well, we just looked at the model. We are sent to send. The magnitude is it's into all the world. The method is make disciples. The message is the gospel. The means is the Holy Spirit. Let me focus a little bit as we close just on what are some takeaways from these five mission statements? And some of our review, number one, it takes humans reaching humans for this mission to be successful. This is God's plan. And God sent his son. The son sent the spirit who sends the disciples, who sends you and me. You are the sent one. You're already sent. To lead a person to Christ, what has to happen? Somebody's got to tell them. And think about it. Somebody told you. Somebody came into your life, sat down, and said, here, might have been your mom and dad, might have been a friend, a brother, or a sister, could have been a coworker, could have been a complete stranger. It could have been a track that you picked up. Somebody had to share that, that message with you. Number two, the target is far and near at the same time. All peoples, each person needs to hear the good news. We cannot ignore the unsaved that are near us or the unreached that are far away from us. The same Jesus who died for me, who died for you, he also died for our neighbors across the street. But he also died for the Hindu or Muslim person in India or in the Middle East. And number three, the power for the mission is through the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be the witness Think about a courtroom. What does a witness do? He bears witness to what he saw is true. Our job is to be the witness. We must follow the Spirit, not make sure that we grieve the Spirit in our actions. Or have you thought about this? In not proclaiming the gospel. Keeping it to ourselves like we're hoarding this treasure. Finally, number four, the goal is that his name would be known. That's really what your passage about of this conference, Isaiah 57, 19, peace, peace to the far and to the near. What brings peace? Only the message, only the gospel. Psalm 113, 3, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sits, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Wow. Wow. Let me tell you, after weeks of paralysis and prayer, Brother Major started sharing, showing some signs of improvements, and doctors were getting surprised and shocked that, as they were seeing this, and all the Sikh people were abuzz about what's happening with Major. He's starting suddenly to improve, and after about two months, Major began to walk with a cane, and God was healing him. And then, I think we have a picture up there. There on the, let's see, it's on the left for me, so it must be on the right for you. That's Mark on one side, another Pakistani brother, and then on the keyboard on the other side is Major. By the time Julie and I saw Major this past November, he's up there leading worship again. His voice a-booming, deep and strong as ever, and he is just 
busy writing brand new worship songs in, uh, in Hindi language uh, to share as he goes around with uh, Pastor Mark sharing the testimony of God's grace and God's healing in his life as they go house to house and as they go to outreaches, there is major singing to the top of his lungs and playing the keyboards just with one hand. I don't know, you piano players, I don't know how he does that, but it's pretty cool. And uh, Pastor Mark said, he said, you know what, now his family members, his relatives, and the whole Sikh community, they're amazed at the power and the lordship of Jesus Christ. God is... God is always strategically sending his people, like Mark, like Major, like you. He's sending you. The king has commanded, he has commissioned you and me to proclaim the good news of salvation to the unsaved and to the unreached, to the far and to the near. How are you doing that? Where are you doing that? Who are you doing that with? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for your word and for piecing together these messages from our beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who has sent us all on a mission to be witnesses, to, to be co-mission with you, to share the great truths of, of your word and of who you are, the only, the one and only true God, Lord, the one who can heal, the one we worship, the one whose name will be praised from the rising of the sun to a setting down. Lord, thank you for entering our lives. Thank you for transforming us. Lord, thank you for being the person you sent, thank you for the person you sent to tell each one of us about God's great gift of grace and salvation. And Lord, help each of us to see where and to whom you are constantly and strategically sending us, that your name would be proclaimed here and there, far and near. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.